Welcome back to episode number three. Hey, everybody. About that analog life. We are here with you again. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you. We really appreciate you listening. And today we have another special edition with a special type of music, and that would be sleaze. Sleaze, or morning music, as uh, some people would say. Now, I know a lot of people were very confused because when I had said that we were going to do this type of podcast, I had to do some explaining to do so. Um, Jimmy, I'm going to ask you first. Well, we'll turn it over to you. What, what, if you try to define sleaze music, what would you say it would be? I would say it's uh, down-tempo mm-hmm. R&B mm-hmm. or soul music that you would hear in the latter portion of the evening when you're out dancing. Or morning. Morning, yeah. <laughs> so this is probably stuff that you'd hear around 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone has a different interpretation of sleaze. I know some songs I consider it, others don't. And then songs other people say, mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe that's not what I think it is. But I think throughout the show, through the selections that we pick together for you, you'll get a relatively good idea of what it is. And you can kind of judge for yourself what sleaze music means. It's different for everybody. So Yeah, and even if you have your favorites, feel free to reach out with us. You can always hit us up on at About That Analog Life on Instagram, where you'll see scans of the records that we're playing tonight, among other things from our collection. And I am actually going to go with the first record here now this is pretty much what i would say is like a defining record when i think of sleaze music this is uh miss sharon ridley on from her second album in 1978 called full moon she had done some stuff some work with van mccoy prior to this but this song called changing uh at a 78 really has has just would define the genre and you've got i mean on background vocals the waters family who like I always say, they just they haven't stopped singing since they were born. It's amazing the amount of work that these people have done. But so here we have uh, Sharon Ridley with Change in 1978 on About That Analog Life.
Sharon Ridley changing at a 1978 on Taboo Records. That is a song that I don't ever want to end. I mean, seriously. It's like Phyllis Hyman's, I was saying this to Jimmy during the break, Phyllis Hyman's Loving You, Losing You, which I'm sure will end up on the, one of our future shows. But that really, it's just, it's, that amazes me. And then that's really it for her. You don't really hear anything else. That's the one that she's known for. There was a Hot Tracks mix of that in 1984, I believe, but... Outside of that, God, gorgeous. But up until recently, she was still available to come and do uh, a cabaret act with just her playing piano and singing and, you know, could be booked places. The agency still had her information listed online. There were video clips and whatnot. Stay tuned for our one-year anniversary party (laughs) where we have Sharon Ridley live doing Changing. Yes. Oh, my. Yes, I could. I absolutely could. Now, in the same vein, I'm going to take us to 1981 and Fantasy Records. And this is a track by Freddie Hubbard, who is an American jazz trumpeter, led a band, arranged lots of things, and his career on record spanned four whole decades. But the featured vocalist on this track is Jeannie Tracy. And I live for her. I mean, Jeannie still, Tracy. Still, Jeannie Tracy, still. Still, still out there. Still recording stuff. Killing always, it. Yeah, always got stuff out. And if you're not familiar... I mean, these are just some of the people that Jeannie Tracy's been involved with doing background vocal, writing, arrangement. People like Peebo Bryson, Mm. Narada Michael Walden, Sheena Easton, Whitney Houston, Michael Bolton, Aretha Franklin, Celine Dion. The list goes on and on and on Mm -hmm. and on and on. And the way that I first became aware of her was through her close friendship and extensive recording with Sylvester. Mm -hmm. And... Basically, every time Sylvester went in the studio with Martha and Isora, Jeannie was there as well. And in the live performances through her whole career, Jeannie was there. Amazing. And uh, this record really absolutely kills everything for me. Like I said, 1981, Freddie Hubbard featuring Jeannie Tracy. This is You're Gonna Lose Me on About That Analog Life. I've been 
Hubbard on trumpet and that beautiful arrangement. Jeannie Tracy on the vocals. That's You're Gonna Lose Me from 1981 on the Fantasy label out of Berkeley, California. That, that fabulous? That was a slice right there. Mm-hmm. That was really, I'd never heard that before. That was fantastic. I mean, I love her. She's actually, you know what, she does that uh, that crazy high energy cover of uh, Don't Leave Me This Way. Mm-hmm. And I love that song and, uh, you know, I love Thelma Houston. But that I don't really usually condone covers when it comes to things like that. But that was that she really does good. She does good on everything. Absolutely, it's really not a surprise. But I picked another Philadelphia record. I think I have an obsession with this area. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's really more of a Gamble and Huff thing. The Jones Girls. They are three sisters out of Detroit. You got Brenda, Shirley, and Valerie, and they were um, backup singers for a very long time. They actually did work for Lou Rawls, Teddy Pendergrass, Aretha Franklin. I think they were uh, they were with Diana Ross from like seventy five to seventy eight. They were like her girls, and they are the backup singers on Linda Clifford's "If My Friends Could See Me Now," the entire album. Okay. They signed with 
GM Records in 1970, and after about six years, they moved to Philadelphia International Records with Gamble and Huff, mm-hmm. who wrote them this track in 1979 from their debut album, sold over a million records for them, charted at number five on the Soul Singles chart, number 12 on the Disco chart, and number 38 on the Hot 100. And this is, if you don't know this one, really get your shoulders activated and get <laughs> into it. So on About That Analog Life, you got the Jones Girls, You Gonna Make Me Love Somebody Else from 1979 on Philadelphia International Records. Thank you. 
I mean, I could just hand clap that out all day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so great. That's the Jones Girls, You're Gonna Make Me Love Somebody Else, from 1979 out of Philadelphia International Records. Man, I'm telling you, just everything I feel like that came out of this area. You guys really, like, Gamble and Huff, I have so much respect. Whew. We were on top for a really, really long time. And thank God. Thank God. It's crazy, the amount of stuff that came out of this yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I want to say, I think that was uh, The Sound of Philadelphia that was playing. MFSB, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was them on the back. I think mm-hmm. I read that. You're listening to About That Analog Life, and don't forget to check out our Instagram, at About That Analog Life, and you will find scans of all these records that we'll put on there for you to see like we do after each show some 12 inch tuesday posts we might even need to bring up a 45 friday i think it's time yeah yeah i think it's time let's hit them with some good stuff okay i'm here for that (laughs) philly was on top for a really really long time and in the 60s even in the late 50s we had a lot of stuff going on but one of the other big cities that was really churning stuff out like crazy was detroit Mm mm-hmm And our next singer was born in Chicago, and her mom moved her to Detroit. And there was a group put together called the Meditation Singers, and they were Della Reese's backup group. Mm. And we recently lost Della Reese, but at some point in the early 60s, she put together an album with the Meditation Singers, and then they went on to do lots of backup for her live performances. And then when Della Reese decided to part ways, Laura Lee, our next recording artist, took her place in Meditation Singers. And she recorded some music for chess. And in 1970, she signed with the Hot Wax slash Invictus record label imprint, which was owned by Holland Dozer and Holland Ah, that explains a lot. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I do love Invictus. And they actually had some issues. They wanted to get out of their contract with Barry Gordy because of payment issues Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And they were still under contract for a couple years, so he said no. Mm -hmm. So they went and formed this record label. And basically, they would write songs, but they would take other people that were at the label, and they would put their names as the writing credits on the things so they could kind of moonlight and still be producing records and and getting this stuff going on. The loopholes, the Mm -hmm. loopholes. So, Laura Lee made three albums under their group of labels, and the song we have today is from her third album there. It was on the Invictus imprint, and the album was called I Can't Make It Alone. The song was written by Holland Dozer and Holland. There's some other great ones on it, but this one is called Don't Leave Me Starving For Your Love.
1974, that's Laura Lee and Don't Leave Me Starving for Your Love. And that would be one of those records that, when we talked earlier on in the show, in the early part of the 70s in these private uh, discos and nightclubs in New York City and kind of places all over the country, the late hour of the morning, 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, these were the kind of records that you'd be hearing played. And it's crazy to think that some of these songs kind of kept on going. They became such classics and such pieces of music that maybe they weren't played all the time, but when they were, I mean, I know, for instance, a, a mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. played a very large party in New York, and we're talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and in the early 90s, at a very late portion of the party, actually played this record and had people get the reaction that they would have gotten to this record when they would have played it in 1974, which is kind of crazy so cool at the same yeah, time hey, it's timeless you know that's why we're here that's why we're doing this mm-hmm. this record i mean i could talk about this for a while i actually you know usually before every episode i write notes so just i i could have things to reference to and this i actually wrote nothing no notes to because i feel like this is one of those that i really do know inside and out my association with this album in 1980 although it was more of a presence as I grew up. This was one of my mother's favorite albums. My mother was a very big Barbra Streisand fan. And mom, I know you're listening to this, so hey. Um, but pretty much, I, I, you know, my mother was around the house during the day and I would be home with her and I had my little Fisher-Price record player and my mother had a copy of the Barbra Streisand Guilty album, which came out in 1980, and we would listen to that over and over and over again while she would get ready, while we were around the house. And it's one of the things I most associate with her. Now, one of the songs on the album, the whole album was produced by Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees, so it has very much that sort of influence on it. One of the songs was the song called Promises, which is one of the more upbeat songs for, well, for any Barbra Streisand album, really. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually know for a very long time that there was a 12-inch, that things like that even existed, because there's really not a lot um, to grab from when it comes to like Disco Barbara or anything like that. There's just like really a handful of records, aside from really big ones that you know, like The Main Event and No More Tears with Donna Summer. So this, clocking in at 100 beats per minute, was surprising because this 12-inch uh, is a little bit longer than the album version. It's almost six minutes, and there's actually different ad-libs and different vocals in this one there is on the album version, which I always found more interesting, especially towards the second half. You hear more of the um, the things that they didn't keep in the album version, which is great. So on uh, Columbia Records, 1980, Barbara Streisand with Barry Gibb on backup. This is Promises on About That Analog Life. <laughs> Take me to your 
That's Barbara Streisand at a 1980 with Barry Gibbon back up on Columbia Records with Promises. And you know, there's only one thing that's better than having a record with a cold ending is having one that sort of like glitters out with like... That little flourish. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. nice. It's uh, one of the easiest things to mix. Actually, and I'm going to shameless plug myself, if you come down to Nowhere Bar in New York City, that's 322 East 14th between 1st and 2nd on the 2nd and 4th Sunday of every month, I do my party Disco Den. We're there from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. I'll be playing for um, a lot of the stuff that you'll hear here, among many, many others. So come on down and join us. It'd be nice to see you. It's a good time. Check it out. Thanks. So turning it over to Jimmy Dupree. All right. We are going to somehow make our way back to Detroit again. I like it. This artist was born in West Virginia but raised in Detroit and started singing professionally in nightclubs around Detroit, which is basically how a lot of artists got discovered and signed in that city. She started doing that in 1961. Her style, I would say, she does pop songs in a jazz-type style, at least for the first couple albums of her career. In 1979, she had a relatively large club hit with a song called Can't Live Without Your Love. And today's song comes from her second-to-last album on Arista Records from 1975. If I didn't mention it already, we're talking about Tomiko Jones. Mm. And this song was written by Stevie Wonder and is truly one of the sleaziest things yes. I've ever heard. Amazing. Creepin'.
Tamiko Jones and Creepin', Stevie Wonder composition on About That Analog Life. My name is Jimmy Dupree, and sitting next to me is... John Michael Despirito. That is, I, every time I hear that, it's, it's, and that's another one that's just never enough. I really do have such a, a thing with this style of music. Mm -hmm. We're calling it morning music, sleaze, whatever you call it, down tempo, R&B, doesn't matter. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And now I'm going to take you, I don't really know that much about this one, to be honest, and to, to be truthful, what you're about to hear was something I found in the dollar bin in, uh, I think it was Academy in New York City. Her name is Margot Thomas. She's got a one-off album from 79 on Deco Records, uh, only has six songs, three of which, which were written by Pamela Stanley, which some of you may know from her hit, Coming Out of Hiding in 1983. This song was actually the B-side for the single. Uh, the single's name was uh, Please Don't Stop the Carnival which is much more upbeat, but this one is called I'll Set You Free, and it's on the album is actually the entire B-side. It originally clocks in around 16 minutes and 20 seconds. Wow. But this is the 12-inch, which you've heard me complain about this in other episodes, about 12-inch uh, mixes that fade out. Well, this one fades in. I don't really know how that helps anyone, but <laughs> that's what it does. So they, they shaved off a whole bunch of time. So you got this fantastic, really slinky vocal in the beginning, and the second half is just pure love boat just music and it's it's lush and gorgeous which you're about to hear so this is 1979 deco records margot thomas with i'll set you free Please don't build a mental wall between 
come through with the, gl- the gradual fade out on that. That's nice. Margo Thomas, I'll uh, Set You Free, 1979 on Deco Records. That's, I mean, that was just, mm-hmm. I wish I knew more about it. Every time I've tried to order that album, something has gone wrong. So I need to get that together on Discogs because I really need to hear what the first eight minutes of that song sounds like. <laughs> Surprisingly, we're back in Detroit again. <laughs> We, we follow these themes, I don't know. I know, and I don't do it consciously. It just happens to be that the records I choose all end up being from relatively the same place or sometimes even involving the same people <laughs> because earlier on in this episode, we mentioned Holland Dozer in Holland when we were talking about Laura Lee, and so we're actually going to have Lamont Dozer, uh, one-third of that trio. Prolific. Yes, I mean, when you talk about writing at Motown, I mean... <laughs> They had hits with every group that was there. The Four Tops, Martha and the Vandellas, The Supremes, The Miracles, mm. Marvin Gaye. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And big, big hit yeah, records. Yeah, yeah. Consistently, all throughout the 60s. And this was Lamont Dozier's first solo album, 1973. And that's where we're at today. It was produced by McKinley Jackson, who has also had quite an illustrious career producing and arranging and playing on music as well as writing songs. Today's song was written by McKinley Jackson and James Reddick and this is entitled Take Off Your Makeup and if you have to say you know what would be one of the like top five most identifiable Slee songs I would say that this song is probably one of them so check out Take Off Your Makeup on About That Analog Life.
Dozier, Take Off Your Makeup, 1973, on About That Analog Life. What a fantastic and lush, beautiful recording. I feel like everything he does. Mm -hmm. Everything. I mean, I know we'll get to the point where we get to uh, going back to my roots, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that's my favorite. But really, that was something else. So I'm going to pick up here. Now, I don't know how many times I could possibly show or express my love for Phyllis Hyman. It's probably the only regret that I have is that I'll never get a chance to see her live. However, in 1978 on Arista Records, she had put out a cover of Exile's Kiss You All Over. Now, this song has had a very, very long journey, at least for me, because I didn't really, I didn't even know the Exile version originally. The first one that I came in contact with was in 1997 when the Latin boy band No Mercy had done a cover of it. And DJ Johnny Vicious in New York City had done a really epic, I mean, epic, epic remix that uh, Junior Vasquez used to play at Twilo. And you would just hear it everywhere in the clubs back then. And I was obsessed with that song. And my father actually had recognized it when he had heard me playing it at home um, when I was a teenager. And he said, oh, you know, this is a this is a cover. I know this song. This is an old song. And I said, really? Whatever. And he played me the Exile version, which was very, very different. And then now along the years, I discovered, of course, Phyllis Hyman did a cover. It's fantastic it's my favorite version above all others it's lush it's i i i mean you'll you'll hear Mm -hmm. so here you go this is phyllis hyman kiss you all over on about that analog life
Sorry, everybody. I was waiting until she got that last one in. <laughs> I love that. Phyllis Hyman, 1979. Kiss You All Over on Arista Records. I think um, heaven for me would be just to have any, t any piece of music playing and just have Phyllis Hyman just ad-libbing over it for just however long she wants to. <laughs> it would be incredible. I mean, really, that's... that's Her a, voice. Uh, um, I'm going to give a shameless plug for my friend Jim Hopkins right yes, now. Yes, yes. With the San Francisco Disco Preservation Society, he has been doing the Lord's work literally day in, day out, when he's not sleeping, which I'm starting to wonder if he does sleep <laughs> or not. Lester and I are convinced that he has clones of himself now that work in the tape factory during the day. And even when he's DJing at night, there's a couple Jim Hopkins clones working around the clock. I love that idea. Um, he has... The secret, apparently. Yes, right? <laughs> I need to figure out how to do that. And I, I love him because he's so passionate about this and he mm -hmm. cares so much about preserving our club culture via live audio recordings and he has put together a handful of archives besides just the San Francisco Disco Preservation Society one with 90s rave tapes and house music tapes there's an 80s archive there's a 70s archive and then there's this this disco archive as well you can find it on hearthis.at/sfdps San Francisco Disco Preservation Society so take the first letter from each one of those and put that next to the slash and you will find recordings from legendary disc jockeys and quite a few tapes as well with some sleaze music on it with some morning music some devoted just to that from the latter portions of the evening and when I say recordings I'm not talking about just 45 minutes of something we're talking about six hours nine hours full night recordings marathons from legendary clubs all around the country so please do check that out if you want to hear some of those great talents and the men and women who created what we now know as DJing, mm -hmm. you'll be able to trace it and find it there. And this next record, which will be our final one for yeah, the show, yeah. this one was always told to be mixed by Jim Burgess. Discogs tells me otherwise, but my test pressing says otherwise. And I've heard the same from all of the people that knew and worked with him, and this was a staple in his sleaze sets late in the morning. The artist is Sally B. This record was written and produced by her husband, Pepe Luis Soto, who had the Rice and Beans Orchestra. They had a few albums as well. Mm -hmm. They did some cover things. They did some original material, all somewhat related to the TK label, which is where we will find ourselves today. This record goes back to 1978. It's the B-side of Fly Me on the Wings of Love. And this one is called For the Love of My Man on About That Analog Life.
Sally B, for the love of my man. I think that's what the point of that song is. For the love of her man, she will do almost anything. Almost. Not exactly anything, but I guess maybe almost everything. (laughs) And that's going to conclude episode number three of About That Analog Life. My name is Jimmy Dupree. And I am John Michael Despirito. And I want to mention again, make sure you hit us up on Instagram. We are at About That Analog Life. You'll see all the scans for the records, any other posts that we do. Um... And all the other good info. We'll see you in probably about two weeks. What are we coming back with? We're going to come back with a house music show. Yes. Because John and I both have, you know, some 
investment in house music, I guess I would say. Right? Oh, absolutely. That's going to be a whole wormhole to open. <laughs> the first of many, I hope. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So all my house heads, stick by because, you know, that's going to be, we're going to hit you hard with that one. We're ready for it. And we hope to see you back here two weeks from now. Thank you again Thank for you. being a part of this. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to hanging out with you again. Bye-bye. Bye.